you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. A brand new week to talk football here on Tapeheads. Bob Washusa, longtime radio voice of the New York Jets, college football broadcaster for ESPN, and of course, Scott Pioli, longtime general manager in the National Football League. Dan Orlovsky, longtime quarterback in the National Football League as we crawl behind the X's and O's and get you the nerd football take. Hopefully you're a football nerd like we are. And and guys, there's so much to dive into this week. Two teams that we want to start with. That if you told me this was going to be the NFC Championship game at some point, I would not be surprised. And yet, we have a lot of question marks about both. Aaron Rodgers comes back to the Packers. They look pretty pedestrian, although they get the win. But let's start with the Rams. And Scott, you know what? The floor is yours. Because I know that this is something that you forecast a few weeks back that this Rams team might not necessarily be what we thought they were. Are they starting to become what you thought they might be? That was an ugly episode that we watched this past week against San Francisco. Yeah, the the, the last two weeks, they've had teams just come out and punch them in the mouth. And and that's what it's been. And and I'm not down on them. I'm just not as high on them. And and I wasn't. You know, I made the point last week about their record— um, and, and it remains, the song remains the same, right? They're one and two against teams that have winning records. And their combined record of the teams that they have beaten is 21 wins, 42 losses, and one tie. And to me, I, I, I there's always been a lot of sizzle around this team, right? For every time, I get that it's LA, I get that. But they've also got an organizational culture where they make so much about everything that they do. And they've traded away a lot of draft capital. And last week, I'm still not ready to criticize it fully because I I think it's a unique approach. I'm not afraid of unique approaches and new ideas. Yet, until things work out or don't work out, I can't say that they, what, what a brilliant idea, what a brilliant concept, what a brilliant culture. I'm not ready to say that. And right now where it's trending is they've gone against teams that are physical teams and they've got beaten, you know, they've been beaten up. And I think one of the things as a team builder and having a history as a team builder, something I learned I learned early on. And quite honestly, I learned this 
as a kid in, in, in high school football, as silly as this sounds, you know, winning championships and being a great team is not just about talent. It's about the collective. And that's one of the unique things about the game of football, right? That there are all of these interdependent relationships, all of these unique circumstances, different surfaces, different, you know, weather. And the players need to work together. So the job when you're building a team and trying to build a championship team, if that's your goal, if your goal is to build a championship football team, the job isn't to just collect talent. It's to build a team. Yes, you have to have talented players, but you sure need to make sure that those pieces are going to work together and that those team pieces, the majority of those players in your locker room need to be about the collective and the greater good. And I'm not sure uh, that's what the Rams have been focusing on. They've got a lot of star power. They've got a lot of sizzle. I'm just waiting to see some substance. You guys don't think it fits? I mean, are there parts of this team that when you're watching them, Dan, you say that puzzle piece doesn't necessarily fit with this puzzle piece? Because to Scott's point, they have not looked cohesive the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that, first of all, I don't ever believe that players should fit anywhere. I think they should be placed where places they can excel. You know, Um, I I think both player to coach and, and then player to scheme. I think this is a team that's got new pieces that they've got to figure out how those pieces can excel and thrive in their roles. Um, I, I think Scott brings up a ton of great points. The, the biggest one for me is the physicality. Uh, watching the game against the 49ers and going back two weeks ago against the Titans, the physical aspect is not there right now. I, I'll go strictly to the field and, and some of the things that I see. I think defensively, the LA Rams defense, they are a team that wants to play committed to coverage. Too high shell, umbrella coverage. Okay, so number one, when you play that, and that's fine. That's kind of the wave of the NFL right now. When you play that, your defensive line has got to be absolutely violent against the run. Violent. They're not violent enough right now in their front seven against the run. Subsequently, when you play that shell, you got to know teams are going to run the football on you, right? Like teams are going to run the football on you. You have to be phenomenal, Not okay, phenomenal on the back end, meaning your secondary when it comes to run support. If you go back and watch that game, there are multiple occasions. A couple times, Debo Samuel on the left side on a sweep. Elijah, the first play of the second half on the toss. The secondary is so one, late to support in the run, and then two, unwilling to support against the run. That's something I think they've got to look at. They've got to figure out how they are going to manage still trying to play that defensive identity and commit to the coverage aspect while also not getting physically dump trucked. And I think that's the big thing defensively that they got to figure out. And I don't know if I don't, I'm not a defensive coach, but I think that's an, an emphasis thing that they can get after. Um, offensively, I'm a huge fan of Sean. I think offensively they're fantastic. Their numbers this year are really good. That being said, I've, I've started to feel that they need to go back a little bit to two or three years ago. They run so much empty, which a big part of me loves. You know, so much five-man protection, get the ball out. But I want to see them, I don't know, six or seven times a game more, put Matthew under center and go take some play-action chunk throws, take some play-action shot throws. Not for the quarterback, not for the receivers, the interior of the offensive line. I think the interior of the offensive line right now, the past two weeks, has been exposed. And that's an issue. 
Because when you're going to play against teams that can get after you in the inside and defensive coaches can figure out ways to get their boys inside, they're getting beat up. And I want to see them. They run play action pass like 25th most in the NFL. Sean McVay, Hmm. play action pass 25th most uh, usage-wise in the NFL. And if you go back and watch that game again, the interior of their offensive line is getting pushed around. Matthew's missing some throws and they're not, they got 10 possessions against the 49ers. Five of them ended in three and outs or turnovers. Half their possessions, three and outs and turnovers. You ain't gonna win any football games like that. So I think the bye week for them comes at a good time. Um, I believe that they got to be very similar to Tampa last year. They got to be very critical of, okay, who are we? Cause Tampa was good last year, not great into their bye. Who are we? Who do we have to become to go win a championship with the players that we have? I just think some philosophical tweaks um, are going to be beneficial for this football team, both on defense and on offense. And real quick on the Packers, guys. Scott, what'd you see? I mean, either the Packers and the Seahawks, they both get their franchise quarterbacks back, and none of them look <laughs> like what they have looked like when they are at their best, certainly. I mean, that was kind of a survive and advance game. The Packers found a way to survive and advance. It's been a terrible year for the Seahawks with the injury to Russell Wilson and also uh, just the fact that that team is not what it used to be. But what did you see with Green Bay that, I don't know, gives you concern, at least in the short term, with maybe Aaron trying to now kind of round back into form? I don't see anything that overly concerns me or makes me, um, you know, want to overreact. I think he was clearly out of sync. Um, he wasn't at his top level, but I'll say the players around him, he was off the mark with a number of throws. I felt there were a couple behind, a couple that were in places that receivers either weren't expecting or they were just errant throws. He also had a couple of drops. It just seemed like, again, the sink, the chemistry, whatever you want to call it, wasn't there. My biggest concern happened when Aaron Jones went down because he is the most, I, I think, there's that group of three, right? It's Aaron Rodgers, it's Aaron Jones, and it's Devontae Adams. Those players need to be rolling in order for the Packers to go. Now, A.J. Dillon came in and did a very, very good job, but I think if a team gets a chance to focus on A.J. Dillon, I don't know if he's going to be as as good as Aaron Jones. Now, the good news is it's only, apparently it's only a mild MCL injury. He's going to miss a couple of weeks, but he should be back soon. I think it's just a matter of the time, the distraction, the time away from one another. Aaron Rodgers is still a terrific player. And once he gets back in sync, again, he was, wasn't in practice. There, there was so much time missed. And the quarterback position and the relationships with the players around, you need to have time together. Yeah, uh, no, nothing necessarily alarming on their offense, Green Bay, for me. I would say this. Um they're going to have to figure out who is the really second pass catching option for this offense now. With Robert Tunyon out, you know, we've seen a couple games in this offense or with this offense without Tunyon. Alan Lazard has to step up or Valdez Scantling has to step up. Aaron Jones is going to be used in their pass game somewhat, specifically in their screen game, as the same as A.J. Dillon. But those guys are going to have to become that secondary option. Aaron Rodgers had tremendous rapport with Robert Tunyon. Tremendous. And I think he's got a good group with Cobb and Lazard, but somebody's going to have to become, you know, that that really, I don't want to say, you know, like he believes he can go to Cobb when he needs him. But really to help this offense kind of generate success, somebody in that second grouping is going to have to step up. The reality for this football team, for me, guys, 
is I think their offense is good. I think their defense is the best part of their football team. That's shocking yeah. to say. Yeah. That they're, they're, the, the strength of the football team is the defense. They're an average offense so far this year. And I think they can win a Super Bowl still because of that defense. I, I think the defense is... It's very similar to what I talked about the Rams. They're playing a ton of too high shell. Again, philosophically, something that we see in the NFL. Um, they're not exposing their corners in coverage. So their coverage unit is much better. The difference between this team and the Rams is they are winning in the run game when they play that shell. They're, their defensive line, specifically interior-wise, Lowry and Kenny Clark are doing a really good job. It's hard to run the football on them when they're doing that. Their linebackers are really good. So... You're looking at a defense that has kind of dared to people to run the football. We're not going to expose our back end. And their defensive line is doing a nice job protecting against the run. Now, they're going to play Minnesota come here soon, who can run the football, specifically when you play them in shell. If they play really good, sound defense against Minnesota, then we're really having a conversation about this defense as a, a, an absolute difference maker. But I don't have necessarily concerns about the Packers offense outside. Hey, who is going to step up for Robert Tunyon to give this offense some pass game rhythm? Well, another topic we're going to get to when we come back, uh, an offense that I think we've all had concerns about all season, the Carolina Panthers. Right? They've hovered around 500. They are still in the mix. But talk about the ultimate homecoming. Right, Sam Darnold's injury and the fact that he wasn't even playing that well before he got injured opens the door for Cam Newton to not only come back to the NFL, but come back to Charlotte to play for the Panthers. Does he start against Washington? What happens to that offense with Cam Newton now at quarterback? That is what we're going to talk about when we come back on Tapez. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm -hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet.
And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Welcome back to Tapeheads, and welcome back to the Panthers, Cam Newton. Here we go. He's in the shotgun. The two-back pistol, 6'5", 245 pounds, three-time pro bowler, Cam Newton. McCaffrey swings out of the backfield wide to the right. Newton's going to run right. In the grass, breaks a tackle. <laughs> McCaffrey, <He's in. laughs> Newton, everybody celebrating. Touchdown right side. First play, a touchdown. So Cam Newton with a bit roll with P.J. Walker starting the game at quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, but that might not be the case for long. Here's Cam Newton after the win for Carolina. Huh? Oh, impeccable. Impeccable. Me and my boy Robbie had an unbelievable conversation last night over dinner and it's great to for things to come to fruition i wouldn't even call it the new me but i'm big on energy and that feeling on the sideline collectively as a team starting with pj to the offense going out there and and, well really the defense getting the turnover that's a combination of a great team win on the road that was a great team that we played and you know just for it to come full circle offensively defensively special teams you know, it's great work. Well, guys, I don't know if this is a destination for Cam Newton that any of us saw coming, but now that he's there, and obviously we didn't know what was going to happen with Sam Darnold playing poorly, and on top of that, him getting injured. So it does make it kind of a logical destination, I guess, for Cam Newton, but now a really interesting destination, right? I mean, I I guess, Dan, what I would ask is, how much better do you think this offense can be with Cam? I mean, what should we have a right to expect from him as he steps back in? And schematically, are they the same offense with Cam Newton as they've been with Sam Darnold? Do they have to change much? Yeah, I don't think they have to change much. Schematically, they'll definitely be very similar, specifically in the red zone. I mean, Sam had five touchdown runs inside of the red zone the first month of the season. They haven't gotten down there a ton over the past month. That's why they haven't used it much. So I I think this football team can be... The the big issue with the team offensively when Sam had struggled over the past month were one, giveaways, turnovers, and two, just lack of first downs. They just weren't staying on the field at all, and it was stressing their defense. So, you know, Cam's got to come in, and I just want to be honest about Cam. The last time we saw Cam play uh, an extended period of football, he gave the football away. It was a lot of turnovers. He was inaccurate. He missed easy throws. And so I'm I'm hoping that that's not the version of Cam Newton we get. He was okay in the preseason. He was solid in the preseason. The preseason's a joke, okay? <laughs> so, like, it's not hard to go and perform relatively fairly in the preseason, specifically if you're a veteran quarterback. Um you know, two things. I think the success of this offense is tied to the health of Christian McCaffrey, 
and the health of Cam Newton. I'm not thinking that Cam is just going to come in and, you know, they're going to run zone read eight times a game and he's going to carry the ball seven to eight times a game and take some hits and he's going to be okay. So I, I think that their offense schematically stays the same. It, it's, it's an offense that predicates on 53 and a third horizontal stretch of the field. How many different ways can we get DJ more the football, Robbie Anderson, the football and Christian McCaffrey, the football. And so their run, their, their offensive line will be helped by the numbers game that Cam can bring to the quarterback run aspect. I think this football team has the chance to hover around 500 with Cam. He's got to prove to us that he can make timely, accurate throws and value the football. Yeah, Dan, I was, you know, fortunate or unfortunate to be with the Atlanta Falcons at the peak of his career, Cam Newton's career. We were in the same division and he was spectacular in his prime. That 2015 season was simply spectacular. I don't, doubt Cam's ability as a leader or his ability to inspire his team or how hard he's going to work because he is going to work hard. I just have a concern of whether his body and the brutality of this game is going to hold him back again because that's what happened with Cam. Cam was such a passionate player, was such a competitive player. His body got, you know, it was worn down. And as you mentioned earlier, the last time that we saw him, the last time, you know, not just the preseason, but the season before, there has been this steady decline in his tools, in his skills. And again, nothing to do with him. A body can only take so much. And the way that he plays, he's not going to put, he's going to put himself in harm's way because he's such a competitor. Okay, he's a smart player. And at times he's so competitive, he's going to do the thing that can, you know, hopefully ignite the team. So to me, um, I see much of what you, what you say. And again, I get it. He scored two touchdowns, his first two touches, but he only ran nine snaps on offense this entire week. Now we're talking about him becoming the starter. He's going to be put in situations and circumstances where he has to take 60 to 70 snaps a game, and there's still a little bit more than a full uh, half a season to go here. The arm yeah. issues that he had, and whether it was a weakness in his arm or whether it's just the movement of his arm that he can't get the ball to the place that it needs to be. Those things aren't going to go away. They may be all right mm-hmm. when he first starts out, you know, and then when that happens, how long is he going to be the starter? How much time will he be given? Because the one thing that I do go back to when he left the Patriots that I could not get out of my head every time I heard a conversation of a team, you know, should Team X be thinking about, bringing Cam Newton. You know, Cam Newton came out and said, if I'm not the starter, I'm going to be a distraction. And to me, you know, it's one thing when other people say that about a player, when we speculate that a player might be a distraction, but when that player comes out and says, if I don't start, I'm going to be a distraction, does that become a problem when, you know, the team feels that they need to have a spark from another player that isn't named Cam Newton. Mm. Isn't this still about McCaffrey? Absolutely. Dan, when you and I were talking, I remember about Sam Darnold, because we obviously with the Jets, and I have a real soft spot for Sam, rooting for him so hard to have a new career. And what I kept going back to was he's going to throw a three-yard pass to Christian McCaffrey, and Mm -hmm. Christian McCaffrey's going to go zing, zing, zing for 35 yards, and he's going to look at Christian McCaffrey and be like, man, where have you been my whole life? Yes. Like, I never had anybody like this in New York that could do this for me. Isn't that, isn't he still the linchpin if he stays healthy for maybe, I mean, with all due respect to obviously what they surrounded Cam with in New England, Cam didn't have that kind of a weapon to just dump it off to and maybe go make a play 
there either. I don't know. I mean, yeah. can't, can't maybe he revisit the fountain of youth as long as Christian McCaffrey stays healthy and provides that to him in their offense? Bob, no question about it. Over the past 24 months, we have data that tells us that is unlikely to happen. That's true. Um, no one is a bigger Christian McCaffrey fan than me. You know, they're littered all over the country as much as we all love Christian. I hope to God that he stays healthy. And if he does, yes, that's an obviously a huge deal. He's one of the two or three best backs in football. But if we're going to sit here and go, well, all we got to do is feed Christian McCaffrey or find Christian McCaffrey, the likelihood is those those touches are going to add up as well. And, and the wear and tear over three, four weeks of him getting 30 plus touches is going to factor in as well. Two things that I wanted to touch on that I thought Scott mentioned as, as well, and it kind of hits on your McCaffrey point, Bob, is I, everyone needs to understand he's going in Cam Newton behind a bad offensive yeah. line. This offensive line in Carolina stinks. It is not a good unit. If yep. this, if he was stepping in, uh, candidly, if he was going back to New England to play behind that offensive line, I'd actually feel a little bit better mm -hmm. about it because he's not going to have to play so crazy fast and make these incredibly fast decisions. And get, you know, one of the things that you know I thought started to hurt Sam was how bad the offensive line was playing. I'll go back to Sunday's game against Arizona. He goes in outside of those you know, two red zone plays. He throws the slant to DJ Moore to his right. It's man-to-man -man coverage, third down. DJ, I think it's second down, actually. DJ Moore wins on a slant, man-to-man. -man. It's an easy throw. Ball's on the right hash. DJ Moore is on his right. No one is in the th slant window, and he throws it two feet behind him. And it's, uh, we can sit here and say, oh, that's rustiness. Sure, it's a slant. <laughs> I could go in my backyard and throw it right now, you know? And right. so I think that we, we gotta be, this is part of this is to be honest about the situation is he's going to have to at 32, I believe, show that the accuracy has somehow gotten better since 2018. Now, 2018, because yeah, 19, he didn't play <laughs> 20, you know, there was or excuse me, 20. He didn't play right. 21 was COVID. So, you know, we, we got to go back to the last time he played good, accurate football is three years and show me you're going to hit those throws accurately and consistently. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch. There's no doubt uh, a game that I think both of these guys have at least one or two things to say about, by the way. Browns, Patriots. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't really know that there's anything else we need to say. We're just going to come back on tape and talk about those two teams with Scott Pioli and Dan Orlovsky. Stick around. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We are back on Tape Heads. Bob Shusen, Dan Orlovsky, Scott Pioli. Well, what a roller coaster season it has been for the Cleveland Browns. Here is Baker Mayfield's reaction to their lopsided loss to Mac Jones in New England. I mean, they, they had a good scheme, uh, but I think there were plays for us to um, to make there. Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of execution. I think at this point, we everybody in our building has to look in the mirror and just kind of reevaluate, be accountable to themselves, to each other. Um, because we're we're sitting, you know, sitting somewhere where we thought we'd be in a better place right now, but we're not. So it's time to reevaluate, and uh, everybody needs to hold themselves accountable. Well, if you read between the lines, what Baker is saying and what several other guys had to say from the Cleveland end of things after that loss, they seem to be alluding to looking themselves in the mirror, but also the coaches having to look in the mirror as well. I I don't know if that locker room is starting to fracture guys, who knows, but just schematically on the field. Why this roller coaster? I mean, we saw the seemingly we have found ourselves offense when Odell Beckham was off the field. Dan, as you said, they got better without Odell Beckham. It was more Baker Mayfield is going to run plays rather than run things for players. Sure. And now this. Yeah. So, like, what what is to explain this Dow Jones up and down with the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, I like that Dow Jones reference. I, I, okay, so I think offensively, um, I, first of all, my first point is this. The Patriots' defense has played 10 games this year. Okay, 10. One quarterback has played well against them. His name is Dak Prescott. They've made a lot of quarterbacks play poorly. All right? Tom Brady was one of them. Tom played poorly until the last third down, couple third downs in the fourth quarter. Justin Herbert played poorly. So a lot of this has to do with New England's defense. I think offensively with um, uh, Cleveland, number one, New England did an awesome job of taking away the tendencies of and, and formational tendencies of Cleveland. Like it was very obvious when I watched Cleveland got into empty a couple times. Now, when Cleveland gets into empty, five-man protection, five receivers out there, and they put the tail back out as the number one receiver, the guy closest to the sideline, one of their favorite plays is put tail back on a five-yard hitch, push up five-yard straight line, come back, and they take the inside receiver and run a seam. That's one of their favorite plays. They call it as a run play. Hey, just throw it to the tail back out there if it's soft coverage. New England did an awesome job in those situations of they took their outside linebackers to the boundary. So the guy was Kyle Van Noy. What Kyle did was at the snap and Scott's, this is going to sound like, you know, uh, uh, very much so deja vu for, to you. He smacks or it smashes the slot receiver yeah. one step. Okay. So then that guy's going to be a little slower downfield. He immediately turns and runs to the tailback with his eyes on the tailback. He's not even looking at the quarterback. He's looking at the tailback going, I know this is what you guys do. And what happens is the corner who's supposed to be covering the tailback in in a on-the-paper coverage situation is running to cover that seam guy that Kyle Van Noy just hit at the line of scrimmage. So he's just stepping in front of him. 
They did that three times. Just took away tendencies. Um, I thought that when they got into 13 personnel or 12 personnel and put Baker under center and pulled people, you watch number eight, Bentley. You can tell that the, the coaching staff in New England said, hey, when they put this quarterback under center and they pull backside guards, you have no pass responsibility, bud. You ain't got none. I want you to go smash the guard, the pulling guard. He blows up three plays that, honestly, I think when the Browns pull people, they're the best, second best team in the NFL outside of Dallas Cowboys. And I just thought because the way they, they took away the tendencies of the Cleveland Browns offense, there was absolutely no um, consistency or confidence to what they were doing. The Baker interception is beautiful. New England shows him man-to-man coverage, one safety in the middle of the field pre-snap. Ball gets snapped and everything rotates to cover two, zone. That's why there's so many people near that football. Kyle Duggar picks it off for a touchdown. So I just thought the defense for New England did an awesome job of break, playing tendencies and uh, uh, making them, again, play in a way that they were very uncomfortable Cleveland offensively. Yeah, Dan, and... and uh- I'm going to say also that I felt the Browns took some things away from themselves that are mm. their best football. You know, that opening drive, Cleveland gets the ball. Yes. 11 plays, 84 yards. Ernest Johnson had 58 yards rushing in that series alone. And the rest of the half, the Browns have the ball on offense. They run it only three times and throw it nine times. I don't get it. Interesting. I don't yeah. get it. I didn't get it while it was happening. They end up being, you know, 0 for 4 on third down in the first half. And so I, whether it was the Patriots taking them out of it or it was the score taking them out of it, it was way too early to get away from what they were doing well and what they – I get it. They're without Kareem Hunt. They're without Nick Chubb. I, I get it. They're without their top three backs. But this is supposed to be one of the best, if not the best, offensive lines in the National Football League. Baker Mayfield is not a player. And this is not being disrespectful to Baker at all. Baker is an above average and at times good and at times very good quarterback in the National Football League. But what he has around Mm -hmm. him is a good support staff. Now, you start taking away a good offensive line and a good back you know, then more things fall on him, and whether that's his own mental pressure on him or if it's the, the actual thing. But to me, I saw them taking themselves out of things, whether the Patriots drove them out of them. I don't know. But in the first half, I get what the score was at the end of the first half. But the Browns, again, in that opening drive, I said, this is going to be the slugfest that I thought it was going to be because the Patriots came and they dro- you know drove the ball. And, you know, I, I just— I don't know. I, I I wasn't crazy about the way that, that the Browns changed what they were doing. Now, Dan, a couple of things that you talked about, you know, the physicality of the of the New England Patriots defense on the skilled players, whether it was a back, a slot receiver, or the receivers, that that is time tested. And it goes, you know, everyone knows that we used to do that against the Colts. We did it in the Super Bowl against the greatest show on turf. I mean, but that was being done previously to that. And it's an important part of what they're doing. And the overall physicality of the New England Patriots is one of the top three things I think that is shifting this football team into overdrive 
right now. You know, when you look yeah. at what the Patriots did with their personnel groupings on on the offensive side of the ball, more than half of their snaps, they were either two backs, meaning Jakob Johnson was in as a fullback, or they were two tight ends and or they had six offensive linemen. They came out and said, we are going to punch you in the mouth. And you know what they did? Mm -hmm. They punched them in the mouth. Three drives over 90 yards, a 99-yard drive that was 11 plays, had seven runs in it. You know, and in those four passes, it was interesting because it was early in the game. My biggest concern was, what is Miles Garrett going to do today? How are the Patriots going to figure out the way to slow down and neutralize Miles Garrett if they can? Because I don't think that Isaiah Wynn could do that on his own over the course of a game. But in that 99-yard mm -hmm. drive, in those four the four pass plays that they had, three times they chipped him with the back, and one time they threw the they the Browns showed blitz and Mac Jones threw the quick outside shoulder fade. And yep. those were the four passes. So that slowed things down. Now, if you remember also when there was a sack by Miles Garrett, what did they do the very very next time? Immediately went to a screen. So they ran a bunch of screens. They ran dummy reverses, which they also sprinkled in with some real reverses. They ran some boots. They did things from a play-calling standpoint and a scheme standpoint that neutralized Miles Garrett. And to me, that was one of the big one of the big parts of the game. And again, I go back to that sack that that Garrett got. Isaiah Wynn tried cutting him. When you watch that block or attempted block, it was bad. But again, the very mm -hmm. next play, third and 13, Pats run a screen, 20-yard gain down to the three-yard line. They punch in the end zone the next play. You know, one of the things about the Patriots offense, when you come into that game, you have to recognize something that they've always done. And we did very early with Brady, and we did it with Benny Testaverde in, at the New York Jets. And I'm talking about because this is the collective family belief of how to run the offense. They went into that game. They had the third most receptions by running backs in the entire National Football League, and that's part of what they did to slow down Miles Garrett. I also think, like, talking about the Patriots offense, but I, I think the, the best thing that they do is they never ask, specifically Mac Jones, they don't put him in positions where, oh, Mac, you can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't, they don't ask him to do things that he's incapable of doing or be somebody that he's not. I think the third and 13 screen is a perfect example. Just, just your mindset wise of, Hey, we're third and 13. Yeah. A lot of times teams are going to just ask their rookie quarterback. Okay. You know, like, Hey, we're going to run, you know, shallow cross and deep in route. And you're just going to read the hook defender. And all of a sudden you get pressure and you got to get the ball out of your hands before you, you want to. And you think the hook defenders more shallow than he is. And you try to throw it over the top and it becomes a pick and everyone's going, this rookie quarterback stinks. Right. right. And so I think that, now, they have the luxury of doing that because their defense is so fantastic and they don't have to necessarily go chase points. And I think that's the beauty of the football team for New England. Yeah, They don't have to chase points. They can just go and almost, we hear that cliche, play after play. We just run the next play. They can do that because of the, the, the complementary and complete aspect of their football team. The way that they, in their run game... And I've, I've said this for a couple weeks now. You better have a secondary that is going to come up and hit people because those wide receivers in New England are going to go block you. 
Okay? And that is going to force your safeties and corners to tackle. And if they're not going to be able to, Cleveland did not want to do. If they're not going to be able to, then they're going to have an issue. I thought, you know, Scott, going into this season, I said I, I believe that New England was going to turn back the hands of time and go back to 2000, and they were going to run the football, and it's going to be about third down, and Mac Jones is going to be really good because he's so smart, he'll handle protection, and he's so accurate. Third down, you get a ton of man coverage. And I think of the Jacoby Myers fade into the sideline. Why is that so smart by Josh McDaniels? Because he, the ball's on the right hash. Okay, he goes formation into the boundary. He puts the passing strength into the boundary. The trips goes into the boundary. He cuts Jacoby Myers' split from a normal split, which is two yards outside of the numbers, to three yards inside the numbers. You get single high, one safety in the middle of the field, man-to-man coverage. I have So it's 11 yards from the sideline to the numbers, plus the numbers, which are like two yards wide, plus the three-yard split, I've now given my guy 16 yards of space to work with on a fade, a go-route, three-step go-route at the line of scrimmage. It's hard not to be able to do that well then because I've given you so much room as a receiver to win and as a quarterback to make that throw. That's why I think that this football team offensively is at its absolute best when Josh McDaniels has a great feel for who they are and who they're not. And mm, I think the that's Patriots. yeah, I think that's the big difference, Bob. You know, in the football team over the last month is Josh has figured that out. Patriots being really, really good, really, really physical, Mac Jones being good, going to the playoffs. I think the only thing that could make me sadder is if we spent our entire Thursday episode talking about Jets Bills, <laughs> which we're not going to do. Thank God. That is a guarantee. We <laughs> thank God. I talked enough about it on Sunday. We'll talk about you know what? At least I have a Tom Brady loss to talk about this week. Wow. Just to make me a wow. little bit happy. Sensitive. But that's about all I've got to hold on to right now is Tom Brady is not happy. Uh, hey, the Chargers, they've dropped three of four and as Patrick Mahomes found his form, That Chiefs offense looked a little bit different this week. We're going to talk about all of that in our next episode when it drops on Thursday. Please download and subscribe and join us for our next episode when it comes your way Thursday on Tape Eds. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.